Ross and Carrie, you know us. Yeah. We just wanted to give you a little heads up about what you're about to hear. Yeah, so this is another live episode. We've shot forward ever so slightly into the future, Mm -hmm. and we'll be referencing a bigger investigation and something that we talked about at our previous show. We're kind of saving that. Mm -hmm. I know you're going to be excited Mm -hmm. to hear it, but just hold on. Yeah. So this will kind of dovetail with with a thing you'll hear about in a few weeks. But for now, we wanted to share with you this Austin live show, live from the North Door. This was the last live show on our big live tour this year. We went to 10 cities. Well, one of them was Los Angeles, but 10 <laughs> cities Yeah. instead of, well, we promised a minimum of three shows. We did it. And it was so awesome to see you all. So yeah, thank you. That was amazing. There will be one more live show that we have not yet released yet. We'll but, loop back around to Dallas because you know what? You got to loop back around to but Dallas. But we'll thank you all now because uh, that was awesome. It was amazing. And here it is. Hi, Austin. Hello, Austin. Thanks for having us. Yeah, this is... Yeah, that is Ross Battle. Whoa, oh, okay. this is Ross Obscure Battle. Obscure reference, yes. I like it. Uh, that'll be the last time you shout out. Great. Uh, <laughs> welcome to Ona, Ross, and Gary, the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal. <laughs> that would be dumb. We take part ourselves. That's right. When they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Ross Blotcher. And I'm Carrie Poppy. And we are going to tell you about a wild thing we did in Dallas, Texas. <laughs> Just, I know it's not Austin. Just this weekend. Now, was anybody here at the Dallas show? Uh, One. Oh, oh, a star pupil oh. in the front row. Well, you know what? Since there is somebody here who saw last night's show, we shouldn't talk about the exorcism oh, school. okay. Let's talk about something <laughs> we else. We don't want you to be bored. Single person who was there. Is that really the only person? who? You try. Okay. All right. Excellent. College effort. So you all remember our good friend, Bob Larson. Uh, also known as Bobo the Beaver Net. Except those of you in the audience who are now being whispered to by people <laughs> saying, they, they looked in this uh, exorcist, it's a long story. But he's a popular, a popular exorcist <laughs> of really, the exorcist. Yeah, of all the exorcists I know, really, he, he is kind of <laughs> the most up there. prolific. Over 30,000 exorcisms, he tells us. One of the things that makes him unique is that he's Protestant. Most of the exorcists we know of are Catholics. Right, and you're probably wondering, why then is he in beaver neck there, wearing the clergy collar? <laughs> it was, I think, to just nod. A, a nod, right, to that aesthetic yeah. of the Catholic Church. But you know what? I haven't actually seen him do that since then. And this Me neither. Back in, I think, 2012, mm-hmm. we did this investigation. So we went to see Bob. But guess what? You sign up for Bob's email list, you get a lot of emails. And so you know about everything Bob is doing. Yes. And, and so we've been getting his daily blogs. We talked about this in our other show. But we have continued to stay tapped into the world of Bob Larson. Indeed. We have been taking exorcist classes through his International School of Exorcism. And we talked about that at our Dallas show last night. So you'll have to tune into that episode. But one of the speakers at this particular conference was so amazing that we just had to follow up. But, but before we do that, just a little more preface. So we went to other exorcisms since then, since the one that we reported on. And so if you watch the 60 Minutes 
special, 60 Minutes Australia, Australia special on Bob Larson. You can see us a few times in the background if you're paying attention. Uh, and then also, there was this one time that we went to one of the exorcisms, and Bob posted this video on YouTube. I'll show you just a couple select moments. How many? 52, I think. 52? See, we left the curse of 52 generations. Let's be specific. You see it, don't 52 you? 52 generations. 52. Now, when I get ready to cast this thing out, I'm going to need some help. All right? You guys got your crosses up? That's great. You may have a demon. If you don't have one, you get one later. Come on, stand up. You can see it. Let this demon understand what he's up against. Oh, there's Carrie. See, I hate so anger happy. and rage. I hate anger and rage. So, so in case you couldn't see the uh, third person helping hold back the demoniac. <laughs> so yes, that is on YouTube somewhere. Good luck finding it. So you started doing the exorcism classes before I did. Yes. So at this point, Bob had identified you as one of his star pupils. Right. So he pulled me aside. He had me testify about what I'm getting from these classes. And then, yeah, he invited me up to come help hold this guy. He had me pray with people later. We'll tell all more about that later. Uh, it's will. a fun story. But we've kept up with Bob Larson. Here's us just this weekend with Bob, who turned 75 yeah, he just turned 75. And as his wife said, 75 looks good on him. Absolutely. So, yeah, as Carrie said, uh, we signed up for, well, I signed up for the International School of Exorcism. And the bottom line is I took forever and am taking forever to work my way through these 30 internet videos. But Carrie signed up. <laughs> I signed up a couple months ago and I've taken 29 and a half. I haven't finished that last one. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So it's making me look bad. Uh, so we knew from all of our emails that he was having a seminar for members taking the International School of Exorcism courses. So we thought... A student seminar. Time to go to Dallas. So here we are at the conference over the weekend. You can see all of our many compatriots there. It was a good crowd, maybe mm -hmm. about 85. 80-ish 80, 80 people. Yeah, something like that. All very involved. There were a lot of good speakers. But we want to focus today on one in particular. Yes. So, <laughs> all right. His name is Dr. Jerry Mongadzi, as you can see. His PhD is in education counseling. or I'm sorry, counselor education. That's oh, it. All right. Uh, from the University of North Texas. And he is referred to. Oh, all right. He's referred to as. Wait, okay. I got it this time. Wait, and there's a sound you make. Caw. 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 That sounds caw. like a, a crow. Yeah. An eagle. Do they oh, caw? Do they? Okay. Yeah. I feel okay. it's more of a. Ah! Yeah. You'd think okay. it would be more ferocious for an eagle. Yeah. 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 Right. Fix that. <laughs> um. Get on it, Austin. He also has two theological degrees from Dallas Theological Seminary. Woo! No? Does someone just shout no? <laughs> I didn't go there! Uh, what's the... Does anyone know the mascot for Dallas Theological Seminary? Yeah, what hand symbol do I make? They don't they have don't one? They don't have one? Oh, okay. They're not known for their uh, their sports teams. <laughs> All right, fair. Great Definitive wrestling answer. team. Great wrestling team. <laughs> Do they? No. Oh. Uh, so 
Dr. Jerry Mangazzi, who was often referred to as Dr. Jerry, he uh, spoke at this conference, and he, he was, was the, the keynote, keynote speaker. speaker. And so, so we're all excited. Yeah, we and, love keys, we love notes. And Bob had introduced him glowingly, said, you know, I've, I've known of Jerry for 20 years, and he was really someone who inspired me, uh, knowing that there was a researcher out there looking at the connection between the brain, the mind, how, how that works, and deliverance, the presence of evil and demons. So deliverance is sort of a buzzword for curing someone of their demon possession. That's the, the euphemistic way to say exorcisms. Exorcism. Yeah. So if you need to, like, you know, tell someone tonight, oh, what were you listening to a podcast about? You can be like, oh, deliverance. Yeah. If you think exorcism is too strong of a word. (laughs) He was sort of billed as not quite a neuroscientist, but uh, sort of like he's going to tell us about the science of the brain and how that plays into it. It's Um, it's tricky when you're within the valence of Bob Larson because he'll say things so glowingly about people. Like, he's the foremost expert on all things to do with the mind and spirituality, even though he hadn't kept up with him for 20 20 years. <laughs> right. You will always get a superlative from Bob Larson if he introduces you. You are the most something. So Dr. Jerry also had his books in the back. Um, and I picked up this one. Actually, it's right here. Managing your brain, managing your life. It's got a very pixelated cover. The one you're looking at right now, this is a it's a DVD that he has that kind of breaks down uh, some of the important things uh, in terms of the adversary, Satan, the Antichrist, you know, the important stuff. So um, a couple things you'll need to know to kind of wrap your brain around all this is we'll be talking about uh, dissociative identity disorder, which is uh, the more modern term for what we used to call multiple personality disorder. Uh, it's already a very controversial diagnosis. Some people don't believe it exists. We're not going to deal with that in particular. But as you can imagine, when you are doing deliverance, there's a lot of overlap there between people who you might think have DID and people who are possessed by demons. How do you tell them apart? So that would be part of uh, Dr. Jerry's presentation. So yeah, Bob brought him up after we'd listened to a bunch of other speakers on other topics, how to you know use your public school teaching position to do deliverance ministries with your kids. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, how to avoid There's yoga. There's actually some good Yoga's news there. Bad. Yeah, yoga is bad. There's some good news about public school deliverance. You do it mostly in your head. Okay. That's fine. We'll allow it. Uh, But, yeah, at the end of the night, we'd been there since 1 o'clock, and I think they brought Jerry up around 7 or 8. Sounds uh, right. Yeah, end of the day. Uh, So Jerry comes up, and so he's going to tell us all about his research into the brain and and the This is groundbreaking stuff, you guys. Yeah, he's at the forefront. Yeah. Now, at the forefront of whatever this is. Now, at this point, I have gone back to his table, and I flipped through the book that Carrie is holding. I flipped through it, and I read a few descriptions, and I was looking at certain brain structures that I thought I maybe knew something about, like, you know, okay, cerebellum, that kind of runs the automatic functions. What does it say? And, you know, it would just say something very generic, you know, like the, uh, I, I don't remember what his description was for the cerebellum, but uh, I do remember for the hippocamp, hippocampus, where it's supposed to be governing memory, a lot of that happens there. He just said, that is the the mind. Okay, that doesn't help. And it was talking about like people's personalities a lot. And so I, I just kind of put it aside. I bought two other books uh, by Bob Larson and his daughter, but Carrie was reading more closely. Yeah. So I went and bought it for, I think, 10 bucks and I'm walking around reading it during our dinner hour. And, uh, 
I see something on page seven, so pretty early, about how exactly he does the work he does. And I'm not, I'm going to save it for you. But it was so surprising that I, I laughed out loud in the parking lot, uh, stored it in my little brain, and, and, and then we attended his talk, and I got to know what was coming, and it was very good. So this is uh, Bob and Jerry is uh, getting ready to get him started. Uh, and then he starts to tell us about trauma, dissociation, demonization, and the brain. Okay. Let's learn That's about that. That's what we want to know. And so he's uh, he's laying out, you know, these are kind of the broad areas of the brain. He's got a diagram here that's showing sort of the, just the, the overall map of where things are, talking about sexual abuse, spiritual abuse, and where they might be located. Where they might be located in the brain. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so we've identified our first problem. problem. <laughs> just that there's kind of these... Big, broad, segmented areas of the brain, and you can kind of point to one and say, oh, this is where to look for this, this is where to look for that. Right. Uh, you, you remember that time that the kids laughed at you in kickball? Oh, that's right here in your corpus callosum. Anyone with half a brain knows that you need to look <laughs> at it holistically. <laughs> that, that joke kind of failed. Okay. <laughs> but kind of succeeded. <laughs> I'll take it. Okay, so then he starts to tell us how to tell the differences, and you know he's listing out signs of trauma, and this all feels like fairly standard stuff that he's pulled maybe from some other approved texts. Is this telling the difference between DID and deliverance? At this point, this is just laying out certain signs of trauma, like exaggerated responses, emotional responses, okay. stuff like that. But then... He this, has, this was good. This is a very good slide, so I know it's a bit hard to see here. Uh, there are two lists. One says uh, emotional symptoms of... Demonization. Past, okay, emotional symptoms of demonization and physical symptoms of demonization. Both lists identical. <laughs> it's like headaches. You're hearing the audience like look at the list one by one. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yep. So we've got... Uh, they're all physical things, as I recall. Yeah, I'm having a hard time reading it from here. We got headaches, we've got like stomach problems, but yeah, it's two identical lists of like uh, nine items. Generalized body pain. There you go. I mean, imagine how many of us have demons. It's frightening. But the slide is titled "Telling the Differences." They're the same, <laughs> right? Uh, now we start to see some of his brain diagrams. His research. So this is where he's a leader in the field, you guys. He does this patented brain research where he looks at a map of your brain and he can see from the colors that show up which... Like, what's going on with you? Whether you have a demon in a particular part of your brain, that'll show up. But also things like same-sex attraction, which he treats. Um, uh, yep. Yep. Past abuse, things that you just wouldn't expect to show up on your brain map. Yeah, so we have a few problems so far. One is that you can somehow see this in the brain. And if you can, why are they using their old-fashioned deliverance methods at all? Like, why not just test everyone's brain and then you get right to the root of the problem? Totally. Just have everybody do a, an MRI. And... Nope. Then we have our other problem of just the segments of the brain, that somehow the brain breaks into these component parts and is not just a, an amalgam of a lot of firing networks that are diffused throughout the brain. Uh, so that's a problem. But now we have colors to deal with. How did he get the colors? 
So yeah, I when I was first looking at this, I thought, gosh, like I mean, I haven't looked at a lot of MRIs, but usually it's just sort of lit up. Yeah, and I mean, there's false colors they'll apply you can sometimes. Add some, yeah. yeah. But usually you just see like different intensities of white light. So what we're looking at here, we've got like broad swaths of magenta and, and periwinkle and burnt sienna. I don't know. Wow. I'm just having fun saying All terms right. now. Red ochre. Good animation labeling. <laughs> thank you. Thank yeah. you. Went to art school. Oh, wow. Very cool. <laughs> it's the first time I heard that news. <laughs> All right, and then this was also just another fun slide. So uh, he was one of the few who actually had a multimedia presentation. Most people were just getting up and telling stories, and he was telling stories, but he also had this information. I just like this, he got his slides somehow confused with the copy-paste. So this was signs of demonization, and it's a list of symptoms of dissociative identity disorder. Yeah, So. so all the differential lists are not useful. Okay, so... He gets through all this. He's talked about his research. He's told many stories about encountering people and the ways he's diagnosed their issues and helped them. So this all sounds great, but he hasn't answered some important questions. Yeah. Is anyone here trying to figure anything out about this? Is there something like a glaring problem Any burning here? questions? Yeah. Where is he getting these brain maps? How does he get them? And and so as the Q&A session starts, one person near us gets to ask a question, and it's something small and incidental. I can't even remember. And then Carrie raises her hand like, I got one. I Please, got one. for the love of God. And Bob isn't picking her. He's looking at the other part of the room, and he goes to another woman, and God love her. She, she says, asks. Yes, she says exactly that. So how exactly are you generating the images that we're seeing on the screen? And I wanted to go hug her. Like, oh, that's, yes, that is a good question. So she hands the microphone back to Bob, and Bob, walking over to Jerry, says, Yeah, I was wondering that myself. How do you get these? Are they MRIs? Or hands the microphone to Jerry. His keynote speaker. His keynote speaker. And Jerry says... Well, what I do is, it's actually pretty simple. I just give people a blank sheet of paper. Well, it's got a diagram of a brain on it. And I give them a box of crayons. And I have them... And I have them color them in. I have them, them in. color it in. <laughs> and we're just watching Bob Larson's face. <laughs> As he realizes, this is my keynote speaker. <laughs> now, Carrie had warned me, but even knowing what was coming, I was still in fits of laughter. And... Both of us are trying so hard to just choke our laughter in. And, and we see Bob, and we just see his face, and he handles it like a champ. He takes the microphone afterwards. Oh, that's so great. Thanks for all the wonderful work you Fascinating. do. Fascinating. But we just know what must be going through his head. Like, I'm not hearing this right. That can't be it. So... So we move on. There's a nice prayer session. We do start audibly laughing during the prayer session. Yes. The yes. people near us are looking at us like, what is wrong with these people? Do, uh, do we need a sudden exorcism here? There were, there were no exorcisms during this exorcism no, conference. No, even though we were told many times Christians can have demons and there are probably demons in this room. Right. That's an important part of the ministry is that Christians can have demons. And that was something that they feel that the, the mainstream Christian church preaches that you can't. Like, if you're washed in the blood of Jesus, you are vouchsafed from all attacks of the enemy, mm -hmm. uh, and that he is impotent against you. But no. Yeah, many people in the audience eagerly raised their hands when talking about how many demons they'd had cast out of them. 
Yeah, there is, you mentioned this yesterday, but there's no shame in this system at having been possessed. There's no stigma attached to that. Right. Yeah. And yeah. key people in his ministry got started because they were busy screaming into Bob Larson's scream towel. He has a scream towel. <laughs> this was an important detail for me. I don't know. I didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> And you still don't. <laughs> I don't know. This is just for you because you were there last night. We were talking about Bob Larson's lovely family. So here's him with his, uh, well, two of his daughters. He has three daughters and his lovely wife there. Very sweet. Yeah, they're all really great. And uh, at the end of the conference, after all of our other speakers, they had a blessing of the crosses. So if you buy one of these crosses. Ross has been gesticulating with a large cross this whole time. Yeah, which I've had, uh, guess, guess how much? $100. This cross can be yours, as featured in The Real Exorcist, available on Amazon Prime if you have streaming. Yeah, he made many copies of this, and now you can buy them, and he'll anoint them for you with oil. And yeah, so, I mean, if you were thinking that's too much for a cross, this is his trademarked cross, so it's different. Yeah. And yeah, it was, it was a rousing ending to the conference, and we all sang Amazing Grace together, which is pretty that fun. Was cool. Except, okay, so then it, we sang two verses that I knew, and then at the end we just went, Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Oh, that's too fun, yeah. huh? <laughs> that's why he does it. But I had never witnessed that before. That's pretty lazy. <laughs> right? That reminds me of how uh, when Game of Thrones starts, my son Andrew and I will just sing, Peter, Peter Dinklage, Peter Dinklage. <laughs> you can figure out the rest of the lyrics. <laughs> and uh, some people sing, oh. uh, Ross and Carrie, Ross and Carrie. Ross and Carrie. <laughs> Carrie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so that was all great. And that's what we reported on last night. We told about this, this whole conference. But we were curious to learn more. Oh, yeah. We really wanted to get our brains colored in. And, and we should say, uh, Carrie tried to get near Dr. Mungadze later to have <sighs> him sign his book for her. And he was just thronged upon by people. You know, we thought, I, I felt like I saw some cognitive dissonance happening in the room as he was giving this explanation with people going, no, he didn't say that. But other people were coming up. He was telling more stories. He was loving it. You know, he yep. was in the spotlight. So I couldn't get near him to get my book signed. Too so much need... of a rock star. Exactly. So we need to get the book signed. We need to color our brains. Uh, so but... you contacted his wife. His wife, who's also, I think, like the, the manager kind of of his, his business, his counseling business. His help meet. Yes, and, and help meet, you might say. <laughs> and uh, said, you know, we're only in Dallas for a few more hours because we're driving down to Austin and we'd really love to do this brain coloring thing. And she gave us a deal, actually. Yeah, well, at first she would respond to Carrie and she'd <laughs> say, all right, well, we have an appointment at one and an appointment at two. It's an hour per person. Carrie would say, Okay, but actually, we need to go at 2 o'clock. So can we both go at 1 o'clock? And then she would say, well, we have an appointment at 1, and we have an appointment at 2. Another one at, at two. 2. Yeah. Anyway, so eventually we got her on text message, and she said, you know what? Yeah, we'll let you both uh, come in at the same time, as long as you're okay with the privacy issues. <laughs> we are. Yeah. I said, that's fine. Anything you can say in front of Carrie, you can say in front of me. <laughs> But also, because I mentioned in the text that we had been at the seminar this weekend, she said that we would get a discount. Because the normal price for one of these sessions with Jerry Mungadze, 
is $250. <laughs> the applause is deserved. And so she told us we'd get a discount for $150. Right. Which is now sounding ah, pretty cheap. And like, you already had us, but sure, we'll yeah. take the discount. So, yeah, we showed up today at 1 o'clock. Yeah. 12, 12.40. Well, our appointment was at 1, but we're, we're good students. We arrive early. So, yeah, he's on the sixth floor of this building here. And uh, there, there's the hallway. And if you walk up, you'll see Right Brain Therapy PLLC. What? Yeah, what's the P for? Potential? <laughs> Someone says potential. <laughs> Patented? Po- potential. Private? Private? Limited liability company. Yeah. But yeah, what's a limited the liability corporation. Private? Private. Private limited liability corporation. Public? <laughs> Pseudoscientific. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, we got we got the, rin- fair, the winning answer. Fair. Oh, so, by the way, I wanted to ask: Is there anyone in the audience who's a bona fide neuroscientist? Hey, All right. Okay, okay, we're gonna call to you for questions. Great. Excellent. What's your name? Matt. Matt. Excellent. Thank you, Matt. I'm just feel free to shout things that that's out true. too. <laughs> All right, the lovely office. Here you can see the decor. Yes. And uh, this is the window. Right away, you... you know, this is a Christian counseling office because it has signs you know? that talk about God and Jesus. <laughs> yeah, there's Bible verses on the wall. There's, you know, copies of his his book, his Defeating Darkness DVD, his cards there. Uh, he is part of the American Association of Christian Counselors, at least as of well, 2007 <laughs> to 2008. He was a member in good standing. Yeah, Wow. Couldn't even keep that up. I assume huh. he keeps standing goodly. I don't know. I mean, maybe he's not paying his dues. But there's a lot of accreditations hanging around. You know, mm-hmm. things that look pretty impressive. Uh, oh, including... One of my favorites. Yeah, you knew what this meant. I did yeah. not. Okay, so this is a plaque that says, Second Annual Christian Conference on MPD slash SRA 1994, and recognizes him. So MPD would be Multiple Personality Disorder, SRA would be satanic ritual abuse. Yes. So people who have listened to our show uh, may already know, but satanic ritual abuse was very hot in the late 80s, early 90s. This idea that people were abused in these hidden satanic rings and then they would repress their own memories of the abuse, not remember any of it. And then they'd have to have this special hypnotherapy to bring those memories out. And Bob Larson himself did a lot to promulgate those ideas. He wrote many books. He had a radio show for years. So even before uh, Geraldo Rivera got on the scene, Bob Larson was doing his thing. But there's no, literally zero evidence of this being the case, of there being these satanic ritual rings. But Jerry still believes in it. All right, shout out, Matt, if there's anything wrong here on this, uh, uh, <laughs> this brain diagram. But, you know, he, uh, on the table there in front of Carrie, uh, we have a diagram, the different pieces. Yeah, I don't know why... This is the way it is? Like, it's a foam cutout thing? It fell all over me as soon as I picked it up. Well, hey, if I'm trying to explain the anatomy of the brain to uh-huh. a five-year-old, this yeah, is a great tool. Yeah, you think it's a teaching tool? tool? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, and you noticed something here. You'd noticed a trend already uh, in reading his book. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, yeah, and in his talk. So he would show us pictures of brains that supposedly had demons in them and say, oh, yeah, the demon's right here, and point to a spot that to me looked green, and it seems like every demon problem brain, yeah. yeah, every demon brain with a problem area, it seemed to be a green problem area. And I thought, you're kind of giving it away, sir. 
He finally, he arrived uh, after we'd had some time to kind of look around and handed us uh, clipboards with our informed consent, which we appreciate. That's good. Mm -hmm. So he talks about what he's going to be doing with us here. Anything in particular we need to point out about that? Nah. Yeah, boring forms. We signed them. And there it is. Okay, this is what you get. So the second sheet is this diagram of the brain. We get a little outline of the like the top of the head, the forehead, and the nose as well. And uh, a little segmented parts of the brain to color in. What do you think, Matt? Uh, it's a little bit disproportionate, but it has the parts. Okay, right. he said a little bit disproportionate, but has the parts. Okay. Yes. Also okay. notes that right brain, left brain thing. Oh, this is an not, important not moment to point that out. Yes. Uh, so all of those ideas of right brain, left brain, you know, the right brain is your creative side, left brain is your analytical side, or maybe I have that backwards. It doesn't matter because that doesn't mean anything. And a problem here is that you have this slice down the center of the brain, but it's kind of ignoring the fact that the brain is dimensional. There's a there's three dimensions in our world. And so, you know, these structures continue on and not all of them are included in this one particular slice. But he likes the corpus callosum. So we've cut it right down the middle so you can see that. Matt, in other uh, pictures of the brain, is there such a prominent dick? (laughs) (laughs) Most of them? Oh, not most of them. Got it. I uh, <laughs> I didn't see the dick at first, but my friend Ross did. We'll get there. <laughs> so, of course, we're missing another important part of this academic exercise, a box of crayons. <laughs> there they are. Carrie got a basket. I got this giant box of crayons. <laughs> yeah, Ross is sitting in this little chair and he hands Ross this huge thing of crayons to just like balance on his knees. This is like, this is like the kind of crate that uh, baskets of strawberries come in. But all the strawberries have been taken out. And yeah, you've got hundreds of crayons. Yeah. Not, not any old like little stadium of crayons, you know, like the 64 oh, right. variety. No, no, no. no. And- so he tells us, uh, just go ahead and fill this out. Uh, just sort of do what your heart tells you. He definitely didn't want to give us too much instruction. And I was trying to remain true to that. I I tried not to think about it too much in advance. I didn't want to pre-plan what I was going to do. But at the same time, Carrie had told me about green. So I thought, okay, well, I got to have some prominent green in here. And hey, wouldn't it be fun? We were just talking recently about the Kinsey scale. And as outdated as that is, it's still, you know, an interesting, at least dynamic by which to talk about the fact that sexuality is on a spectrum. Uh, I am zero. I'm boring on the scale. I thought, wouldn't it be fun to put some pink in there, maybe some rainbow colors? I don't know. Just to see. Especially since he looks for. It's Pride Month. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, let's, you know, let's put some color in here. Especially since he looks for same sex attraction in the brain. <laughs> So what did you choose to color pink, Ross? Yeah, Yeah, what part should I make pink? Well, there there is a giant (laughs) cock and balls in (laughs) in the middle of the brain. Let's color those pink. So for those who can't see, first, sorry. Uh, uh, But you can find it on our social media. Um, yeah, so in the center of this diagram, there's what looks like a cock and balls, and uh, Ross has drawn it magenta, colored it magenta. And pink, yeah. Yeah, looks good. 
And, you know, I started around the outside. I, I was thinking about knowledge and the flow of wisdom. And so I had this kind of bright yellow spreading throughout the top part of the brain. But it sort of fades out into orange. I'm having fun mixing the colors. And other parts I'm painting in uh, red. And it's somewhere near the occipital lobe, I've got like a big uh, swath of dark green. Thought that'd be fun. Cerebellum, that's not really involved in active consciousness, right? That's running automatic functions. I'll, I'll color that brown. And, you know, just fill in the rest there. Uh, how are you doing? Carrie? Um, just filling out my thing. Yeah, it was it was really hard knowing since you know what's coming, how do you kind of reset your brain to like be intuitive about it? Which yeah, seems like a flaw in this system. So I was just picking colors I like and sticking them in there. I think also we've all gotten used to those, you know, diagrams that we're used to as kids where everything is colored really bright colors. So I just automatically wanted to give it like, you know, vibrant reds and blues and yellows. And and, th yeah. and that seems consistent with his philosophy, which is just go with the spirit, you know, yeah. do with uh, whatever you're led to do. So this There's is Carrie's brain. Uh I As thought she saw the dick, too. I didn't. I didn't see the dick. Because the, the shaft is pink, but the head is like a darker color. Right. Yeah, not intentional. We should also note this would be a circumcised penis. Right? What, what were you saying, sir? Oh, uh, yes. So Carrie uh, colored in oh, outside yes. the brain. <laughs> I, I, I stayed within at least the brain lines. Right. But Carrie, you I, colored. Yeah, I thought, well, okay, you know, there's all this other area of skin. I'm going to give that like a tan color, uh, similar to my own flesh tone. And then I thought, you know, <laughs> over here by the nose, maybe I'll just have some snot dripping out. So, yeah, there's a big uh, lime green swath right under the nostrils. Let's see what he makes of that. Yeah. I also did those kind of hatch marks. I don't know. I was really trying to make it look like a brain. So I was doing those wavy lines. Oh, oh I bolts. see. Yeah. Yeah. So Carrie's got some striations running through the brain there to give it a sense of volume. I like it. Yeah. Thank you. I did it right. Oh, yeah. in the striate cortex. In the striate okay, cortex. Hey. Thank you, Matt. Oh, he's All excited. Right. We excited. Yeah. You excited a neurologist. Yeah. <laughs> brain scientist. Well done. I did that intentionally, yeah. Okay, so what's next? He, he comes out after we finished, and he takes us into his office uh, where you have more certification of his various degrees. Yeah, so this is interesting. The University of North Texas diploma, I was glad to see it because I... Ah! Oh, God, Because uh, I did write to them to verify his degree, and they said that they could not find his record. I don't know. I mean, hmm. forging a whole diploma seems unlikely to me. So I think it was probably a clerical error, Some but I'm going to follow up. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then the, there's another one in the middle there. You recognize that. Oh, yes. That's from ISSTD, the International Society for Trauma. No. International Society for Something, Trauma, and Dissociation. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So they are big on the whole repressed memory movement and whatnot. So it makes sense he'd be involved. And if I was just walking into this office, I'd be pretty impressed. You've got all these other, you know, uh, the American Academy of Experts in Traumatic Stress, and you've got uh, his uh, PhD, and you've got his Dallas Bible College degree. So, you know, he's got a lot of stuff hanging up. And another diagram of the brain done there by somebody else, clearly. And I love this. He had a stained glass representation of this exact same brain map called Sound Mind. And now I kind of wish I had seen that before and I could have painted my brain just like that. <laughs> oh, you have a very sound mind. Next. 
A lot of green, though. So this begins the counseling session. And I don't know, kind of from here, it looks like I'm glaring at him. But no, I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm paying attention. And he starts to uh, just go into it, go into telling us the different parts of the brain. Except he needs some information first. Did he? Yes. So <laughs> a little fun fact about Dr. Jerry Mungadze is he is colorblind. Oh, yeah. <laughs> fake therapy (laughs) at least make it work for you you should be able to do it dr jerry sits down with you and will point at a section and say is this yellow okay and then writes down the word yellow Uh, you know poor guy i mean that sucks but uh but this is not the field for you this made-up coloring thing so we painstakingly go through as he annotates every diagram. Okay, so is that, would you say more magenta or f- fuchsia? And so, okay, well, I guess, I don't know. And we're kind of debating amongst ourselves. Oh, yeah, well, that's more Maybe maroon. a raspberry. <laughs> and then we realize, like, oh, this means nothing to you. You haven't seen any of those colors. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize in the moment. You pointed that out later. I was oh, like, oh, yeah. yeah. We argued for a long time over how to get to emerald green on yours. Oh, Yeah. And then, yeah, you pointed out later, like, what, what would emerald green even mean to him? Yeah, he just yeah. sees a ring and he sees, you know, a, probably like a brownish is usually what colorblind people see. So he figures out kind of the basic map of my brain. You know what? I'll go back to my brain diagram. I guess we ready to talk about mine? Sure. All right. So, yeah, so we, we did you first. Okay. So this is going to be very, a very loose retelling because he goes pretty quickly. Yeah. He's covering a lot of ground, and every time you think you've kind of figured out what one structure does, you realize another structure is doing something very similar, related, mm-hmm. and it's, it's just kind of discombobulating. It was for me. Mm-hmm. So this big yellow area that kind of surges from sort of the, I don't know, prefrontal cortex, sort of the big massy part of the front of my brain, that's my faith. And that faith is like coming up and wrapping around, uh, but it gets less intense. And he, he really wanted to understand that, okay, is it, is it more white here? Yes. Okay. All right. Interesting. And then it's more intense, but also kind of greenish in the back. Yes. But that faith band kind of goes all the way around my brain. So that was interesting that's to good. him. Yeah, that's good. So he's, uh, obviously he's assuming because we went to Bob Larson's seminar, he's assuming that we're believers. So that's, that's literally where Jesus is in Ross's brain. In case you wondered. Is that right, Matt? (laughs) I thought you knew the brain, Matt. (laughs) Uh, The the orange that's going around that, that's bad. That's kind of a a repressive force that's trying to hold all this in. Anxiety, that's it, yes. Uh, So that's me just worrying about, you know, if I express my faith, what'll happen. (laughs) so, you know, it's kind of holding me back. To be fair, if you expressed faith, it, it, your life would change. That's true. Yeah. Okay. I don't feel like that is what's holding it back. But uh, <laughs> then you have, uh, there's that kind of red glob sort of in the midst of all the yellow. What's that, Matt? Okay. Hey, who, who knows? Okay. we're Not we're... your area <laughs> of the brain? Oh, wait. Um, okay. Wait. I think that's the language, right? The Broca, yeah, Broca's area, that's oh. it. That's kind of the language map area. Broca's okay. area plays a prominent role in the book. 
And so he just tells us that's our true selves. Yeah. I, I feel like throughout the course of this, he identifies four areas that are like that are our, our true, true selves. selves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the, that one seemed to sort of be the driver, if you will, the driver of the car. And whatever colors there is going to have the most dominance. He didn't even say this. This is just sort of what I picked up from what he was saying. Yeah. And re- but red's good. Yeah, red's good. Hey. Right. That's healthy. And and I, I think the idea is that if I had a right brain, that it would the red would be more expressed and work its way elsewhere throughout the brain. Uh, so that's my true self that needs to get out more. Uh, yeah, what else can I say about that? It was also kind of confusing how he would describe colors, and then he would describe areas of the brain. And I could never tell exactly whether he was attributing something to the color I had drawn or to the brain structure. Oh, right. Yeah. There would be times where he would look at an entire area and say, well, this one is purple and that means creativity. But he would never seem to lock that into, okay, but but why in that particular part of my brain? Right. Yeah. Because I've colored the, I think, corpus callosum area, this like light blue that I've striated for whatever reason. And he said, oh, that shows your creativity. That was my creativity. And yours was in a different area in a different color. So mm-hmm. I, yeah, that's I have, right. I, I haven't been doing this for 20 years like he has, but it's hard th- to interpret a brain map. We also, we continued back as the faith becomes more green. We learned that that was more fear, but specifically from like people disapproving of me. Yeah. And that this probably came from your family of origin. Yes, which is a weird way to state something. I guess it has kind of that generational uh, sense to it. Like if I was raised by an adoptive family, maybe it wouldn't be from them. It would be from my ancestral family. That's kind of oh, what I took his okay. wording to mean. Hmm. Maybe maybe not. Uh, but then when, as we moved down into that dark green area, that did give him pause. And he said, oh, okay, we've got some family problems here, clearly. Uh, some issues that we need to work out. And I, I felt like if I spent more time with him, this would be one of the areas that he would be spending a lot of time trying to to fix. Uh, cerebellum, that big like brown area, he was saying, oh, that's, that's your doubt. So there we go. I've got my big heaping helping of doubt. <laughs> and uh, who knew that it was centered back there on the base of the brain? Yeah. What, what does that part of the brain actually do, Matt? So it keeps you breathing, right? And all the... Balance? Automa- it's kind of like motor learning. Not very uh, motor, motor learning, stuff. he's saying. Okay. Not very cognitive. Right. Yeah. That's not where consciousness resides if we had to go look for consciousness, probably. Okay. Oh, someone oh. said you don't need it. Okay. Good luck and to that- them if they have that removed. <laughs> and that's where you keep your doubt. Uh, so, huh. so he. Why? So he went huh. into the I don't know pineal gland or whatever it is in the middle. We should have studied up on the brain more before doing this, but. Oh, I did. I read a whole book about it. <laughs> Uh, so he was very interested in in the pink and the magenta, and I was trying. I'm trying to remember what he was saying about those, but it wasn't anything uh, about being homo. Right, correct. <laughs> um, uh, it was yeah. So the pink was emotions. Okay. I started to notice something suspicious about this. It seems that pink meant like emotionality, irrationality, and blue. That was more level-headed. <laughs> Even keeled. Yeah, we all see what's going on here. Yeah, this is a lot of boys and girls aisle in the toy store kind of stuff right. happening here. But with all the shitty stuff in the girls aisle. Yeah, right. We've moved down the penis into like these 
other areas. And I didn't see any sign of like, are you punking me? So I don't know. Uh, but then there's these other structures that kind of come off the end of the penis. And um, he, he did point at that sort of kidney bean-like one uh, and said, okay, well, this is where I'm seeing maybe a lack of testosterone. And... And so I asked him, okay, well, does that mean, like, do I need some kind of supplementation or do I need to, like, try some behavioral modification? He said, yeah, you know, might, we'd have to do some tests. Uh, we, we'd probably test your testosterone levels. But, yeah, that might be something we'd work on. Yeah. So are you able to go to a lab and just test your testosterone? Could you do that? Yeah. yeah. All, right. All right. You should do that. The audience says yes. Uh, okay. That would be fun to follow up with. Yeah. And then, uh, he also, he followed my kind of faith area back to where it sort of like melds into the brain stem sort of color area section. And so the fact that I had yellow at the top of that, he said, this is a big deal. Oh yeah. I don't see this too often. Mm-hmm. This is what I see in someone who's a prophet. <laughs> someone who talks to God. Uh-huh. And he proceeded to tell us stories about, like, people he'd identify. Like, he said, those news people, they tried to trip me up and, like, oh, we're going to disprove what you do. And they just gave me a brain. And I, one of these colored brains. And I looked at it, and I knew, like, oh, this is someone of spiritual importance. And it was. It was John, John? Paul Jackson. Oh, good memory. Yeah, yes. I think that was his name. And, yeah, it turns out he was, like, a spiritualist who's passed away now. But people thought he was prophetic. So there okay. you go. Well, there's Confirmed. Proof. Yeah. That's it for our show. Um, <laughs> and, and then it faded down. I can't remember what th- that meant. But he said, like, yeah, if I can get rid of that green and I can kind of complete that yellow in that area, then God can really use me in some amazing ways. You should do it. Okay. So, uh, wait, one more question about yours. Did he say anything about that little lime green section in the He center? did it. That's no? a good point. And I thought, okay, well, I'm going to have another bright little green area here, sort yeah. of like in that diagram you showed me, same area. He didn't comment on that at all. Actually, he huh. didn't even ask, what color is this? So, oh, wow. Maybe he just assumed it was he uniformly blue that in that area. area. What's that area, Matt? <laughs> it's a, it's a bad a, diagram. <laughs> poor Matt, you didn't know we'd be putting you on the spot tonight. Um, yeah, so maybe he just thought I'd uniformly colored it something else. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's all right. Oh, we got oh, another. I'm sorry, neuro- we didn't see the other raised hands. Oh, thank you. Our, oh, hello, other neuroscientists. Thank you so much. What is your name? Brooke. Uh, what do you think so far, Brooke? Questioning his credibility. Weird. All right. Yes, please shout out any other observations you have on our uh, our various brain maps here. Are there any other neuroscientists we missed? Well, I mean, two in an audience. That's pretty good. I feel like we're doing well. I'm looking into the shadow area here. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, that says a lot about our audience. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are awesome. Either two neuroscientists or two people willing to pretend they're neuroscientists. Either way, I'm impressed. (laughs) You having fun? Oh, I'm having fun. I'm having fun too. You having fab? Well, I'm having more fit. Okay. Well, I think I have the service for you. I'm sorry okay. to interrupt the live show, by the way, but uh-huh. this is just really important. I just wanted to tell you that the 2019 Fab Fit Fun Fall Box is now on pre-sale. Well, that was quite the tongue twister. And Thank you. 
adroitly, expertly done. So tell me more about this FabFitFun box. So what happens? You you order a box. That's it. You get a box. I'm just joshing. The fall box is the perfect way to treat yourself or others and get yourself ready for autumn with carefully curated box of products. We're talking the Gucci of products. I'm not saying Ooh. specifically Gucci's in it because I don't know what's going to be in it, but, but you, you know it's we're talking good stuff. <laughs> the high end. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's just a box of goods, like Christmas morning, essentially. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can look up in advance and see what they're going to send you, but it's all high quality stuff. And they're not like sample sizes. Mm -mm. No, this is the real deal, something you can use. This is like when someone gives you a gift for your birthday and it's like, a whole thing of lotion and you're like, I'm going to use this lotion into the next season. Mm -hmm. It's that much. This box has everything you need for your best fall yet. You'll save money on quality full-size products today because these deals do not last long, people. That's right. This is time critical here. So you want to go there, check it out. FabFitFun is a seasonal subscription box. And again, it's got full-size beauty, fitness, fashion, and lifestyle products. It retails for $49.99, but always has a value over 200 bucks. That's a good investment. Mm -hmm. In addition to the box, members gain access to members-only flash sales and have access to on-demand videos from FabFitFun TV. On demand. You demand them, they'll deliver them. So use coupon code ONO for $10 off your first box at FabFitFun.com. That's FabFitFun.com. Coupon code ONO. But hold on. I'm holding. Before... We go back to this wild story about brain coloring. Mm -hmm. That whole story might be making you feel a little loopy in your head. But here's one thing you won't feel loopy about anymore. Internet security. Oh, good. You know, I'll be honest. I caught myself a few years ago just using the same password. I had my low security password, my medium one, mm. and my high one. That For was kind like of it. ordering pizza versus yeah, doing exactly. your like, taxes. Oh, great. You're going to make me sign up here. Mm -hmm. oh, I don't want an account. Okay, you get this password, uh -huh. which leaked out on the internet. And now I get little <sighs> threatening emails telling me I have your password and I have video footage of you. You don't get these? No. I have video footage of you watching dirty websites from your webcam, and I have screen captures, and I'm going to send this to all your friends. Do they actually somehow get your web video? You see my computer here. Do you see a webcam? No. Yeah, so that'd be kind of hard to video yeah, me looking at porn probably. when I don't have a webcam. Uh -huh. So I ignore them, and I don't send money to their Bitcoin address. You don't get Bizarre. these? No. I think this is another one of those things where somehow they realize, oh, this is a guy, and Maybe. I'm going to send this threatening message to the guy. Yeah, that's nuts. I get a ton of those. Anyways, ignore those. Those are ridiculous. But in general, <laughs> when you're being hounded on the internet by all kinds of unsavory people. I like savory people. Oh, yeah. And sweet people. Then you're going to want Dashlane to filter out all the unsavory folks. Dashlane is the only tool you need to stay safe online. Yes, the only tool. I can't think of another. It's got you covered if you're worried about losing access to your accounts, having a weak or reused password like Ross did. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And like, I've never have, I've never done <laughs> Or you're worried about your data getting hacked, you know, all that stuff. Dashlane's going to keep you safe online from every freaking direction. Yeah, and switching to a password manager is legitimately, this is a Ross-approved life hack. You want to uh, store all your passwords where you don't have to remember them all, but they can be super strong. And now I have a lot more fun coming up with wild and crazy passwords because <laughs> I don't have to necessarily have them all stored in my head. Ah, uh, right. Because, yeah, with Dashlane on your mobile device, on your desktop, you can have it running. 
And as long as you've authenticated and signed in, it'll fill out those passwords for you. You get to the page and it says, oh, you want me to fill it in? You say, yeah, do it. Nice. And Dashlane has a basic free version, but Dashlane Premium has all of those features and it's cheaper than most VPNs or standalone security services. So you get peace of mind knowing that Dashlane is actively protecting you from every angle. Yeah, most VPNs, you'll pay a monthly fee just for those. So mm-hmm. that's that's a huge bonus. So go to www.dashlane.com slash onrack, O-N-R-A-C, to get a free 30-day trial of Dashlane Premium. And that's where you can see these features in action and try out Dashlane for yourself. If you like it, use the coupon code O-N-R-A-C at checkout for a 10% off discount. That's onrack, like Onarasa Carey. Well, that's what that stands uh, okay. for. Okay, don't use that as your password. It's too obvious. We're both nodding at each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah good advice. Back to the show. <laughs> All right, so next up, it was time for Jerry to look at Carrie's brain. Yeah, there's, that's me. Uh, so I, again, I just colored this in intuitively or tried to, but as you can see, I did lay heavy on the green because I got to test it out. There's me pointing at shit. So, uh, okay. Uh, I'm going to go back to your uh, large diagram. Here we go. Great. I've got it right here, too. So right away, we have to deal with this pink and purple. So we got a lot of pink. We got a lot of purple and some blue. So the pink, of course, is emotionality, prone to flightiness, all that kind of thing. But it's also a creative color. And this purple is creative, but a little more in control. It doesn't let the emotions run the show. Yeah, cool. So it's uh, so my purple is in there trying to keep me from going out of control with all these emotions. Yeah, yeah, get it in check, Carrie. <laughs> so for people who are listening and can't see this, we've got like a pink, purple, pink, purple pattern around the top. And he did ask me about the wavy lines. And I was like, yeah, I drew wavy lines. But this was significant for him. Yeah, it turned out I, I had and been... It was like really important. Wait, that first set of wavy lines, are those magenta or are they pink? Oh, uh, right. Yeah, we had trouble with that. He wanted to know, like, is it darker or is it lighter? Because that made a difference in his reading. Yeah. I'm using the word reading. That's what's happening here. <laughs> So, yeah, then, uh, so as you can see, my sort of seat of my personality there in the front is magenta. So my creativity runs the show in my brain. And then the blue, that's, see, now I want a more blue brain. That's what I need to do because uh, that blue is what's keeping me centered, making me reasonably rational, but, you know, I mean, like, he would really like to see me move more toward a purple and blue scheme. Uh, oh, I, I should mention, uh, I did ask if he was red-green colorblind, because that's the most common form. And he said, mostly. Yeah. So then, as you can see, I have an- anxiety in my uh, cerebellum. And then it, my brainstem is completely green. Now, that's a, at least on this diagram, it looks brown. Okay, I see. It's it's orange. So he didn't call that doubt. He called that. Oh, I'm no, sorry. that was anxiety. Yeah, yeah anxiety. Okay. Yeah, because it's orange. And then the yeah the green. I was waiting. I was like, okay, he's gonna tell me I'm possessed now. But he said, yeah, green is trauma. So again, he said probably something I went through as a child. And then he told this rather long story about a woman who had a green area there and she had been abused as a kid. And so that's why he could see it on her brain map. Later, I asked him, so can you see repressed memories on the map? And he said, oh, yeah, like yours. And like pointed to it. And I was like, 
I have repressed memories? And, uh, and he said, well, unless you can remember them. Okay. So I, I guess the bottom line there, charitably, is that they are bad experiences from your past, whether you remember them or not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No particular different color for the, the repression. I guess memories. the green is for the bad memory, not necessarily for the repression. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm probably thinking about it too hard. But, yeah, but he said, you know, that's, that's a lot of green. The, the fact that we have this big area that's green, not great. So there's something you need to deal with from your childhood. I think in particular he mentioned my father. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're right. So, I mean, why he can get that from green, I don't know. And you brought up a good point. We had one hour with him, but it could have easily gone much longer because he would he would kind of uh, supplement each area with sort of a story to back it up, to give an example of someone else that he had known. And he, he's just a storyteller. Uh, and we saw this at the conference, too, where that was kind of his main form of uh, engagement. But at one point, he was telling the story about having seen a man from like 50 yards away and the man turned to him and like he'd been hearing a tune and he didn't know where the tune was coming from but when the man turned to him from half a football field away they locked eyes and he said how can I even see his eyes from here and the music stopped and he realized he was looking at Jesus and they telepathically communicated to each other there you go it was a good story that was my favorite story Uh, So, of course, my faith is in the very center here. You can see that bright yellow blob. Not as as big as Ross's, but, you know, I got some in there, so that's good. And then the red, uh, the red's really good. The red is, it's go and get them. You know, that's what's really, like, makes you a successful person. I'm thinking, like, thank God I put some red in there. (laughs) Yeah. uh, yeah, you know, it's it's a funny thing, even you, with like chakra readings and stuff, you do start getting invested. And if you get a really bad one, you start to be like, oh, yeah, I guess I am bad at that. Yeah, yeah like, yeah, you want to win. Yeah. Yeah, what is that? Even, you know, us stone cold rationalists, it, it works on us too. Totally. So we can see how other people would kind of be in one of these readings and have that feeling. Yeah, I got to say, even though he does poo poo pink and purple, he does seem to be very pro bold red. And, yes. And pro blue. Yep. Okay. Correct. Uh, and, and nowhere during all of this was he saying like, oh, and so normally the brain does this function in this particular area. This is what processes vision and the occipital level. None of that. It was just, you know, oh, this is your this is your bad memory. This is your faith. This is your your sense of repression. So I finally asked him, like, so what about this whole tan area that goes around and what I might call the skin? And uh And he said, oh, tan is a very neutral color. So that means what you're showing the world is like relatively stoic and neutral and contained. But, you know, inside you've got all this emotionality just like bouncing around. I'm I'm glad you went outside the brain because he elaborated quite extensively on this area. And you pointed out the the green area by the nostrils, (laughs) the boogers. The dripping snot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he said that is, again, the memories from my childhood just seeping out a little bit. And he did, he kind of tied it in well, I think, by saying like, okay, well, and you remember things through your olfactory sense. So that's one of the few moments where he did kind of tie it into like an actual, uh, well, like your nose is where you smell. You know, memories are tied to smell and like some of your strongest memories are your smell memories. What what do you say, Brooke? True. We got a thumbs up. Yeah, I saw a particularly furrowed brow over here. (laughs) Okay, so I thought that was a good save on his part, and maybe, I don't know, either him not seeing a silly aspect to your drawing. Yeah, yeah. Or or being charitable, I don't know, but he he sold it well. Uh, Yeah, he did. So, 
What was next? Oh, well, also he, to me, it felt like he was ignoring that green little kidney bean shape. Oh, right. I had to point that out, I think. Yeah. For the for me, it was the one that was lacking testosterone. For Carrie, when we were talking about the color and he was really going back and forth with us, like, what are we going to call this? What kind of green is it? You could tell he was concerned. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like... Emerald green versus lime green versus forest green are like very different, have very different meanings. And and it felt like, you know, he wanted to know because, oh, this this matters. And he didn't even talk about it. So, yeah, we called attention to it. And he said this was trauma. This was bad. Same thing. Bad yeah. things that had happened to you. But I clarify that this is bad, right? I said, yeah, it's it's bad. <laughs> it's bad. So for sure. he'd have to work with you on that little green kidney bean. It occurs to me he should probably just have people set aside the crayons they've used, and then he could refer to it and be like, aha, forest green. Uh, okay, so here we've got him holding the brain. Yeah, he has a more dimensional, fleshed out model of a, a hemisphere on his desk. So he pulls that out. And again, he's not talking about actual brain structures. He's talking about like the seat of emotions and stuff. But he thought it would help to see that one. Uh, Carrie wanted to be a little more explicit about the dick on my head. <laughs> well, also, sure. Well, also, he had said in interviews that he uh, can see same sex attraction in a person's brain and, of course, claims to be able to treat this. Now, I'm a two on the Kinsey scale, or else is a zero, so I, among us, I'm the only one who does experience same-sex attraction. So I said, okay, I don't want to game the system by giving you a hint here, but one of us experiences same-sex attraction. Can you tell by looking at these brain maps which one of us it is? And he said, without flinching, said, oh, yeah. He pulls out my diagram. And points at the dick. <laughs> He says, yeah, it, it's all along here. Yes, I can see. Yeah. And he didn't ask us, am I right? Yeah, he was so confident that he was just like, yeah, 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 I gotcha. I see right through you, Ross. And that was yeah. almost the last thing we said to him. <laughs> yeah, close. So, yeah, he was sitting on some of the, uh, he was burying the lead, is what he was doing. Yeah, well, he said, that's kind of what I meant when I said you had low testosterone. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know whether to be mad that he's correlating those things or mad that he's clearly making that up. You would have said that if you thought that. Oh, boy. We can be mad at both. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we uh, we heard many stories mm -hmm. and we <laughs> talk about our brains. But at this point, we were already over two o'clock, and I think uh, thankfully no one else had signed up for the two o'clock appointment. So we got got to go over a little bit. But we essentially got in the car and we drove straight here. <laughs> so. It worked out just perfectly time-wise. But as, as we headed out, his wife had come back. She was ready to take payment. And so I said, okay, well, you know, we can pay by credit card or cash. Is all right if I pay by credit card for mine and Carrie pays for hers? And said, okay. And so I said, well, here you go. Here's for 150 And she said, oh, I was saying 150 for the two of you. Yeah. All right. Very generous. Yeah, I Only like that. Only a $75 coloring book. Feels like a real steal now. <laughs> it really does. Yeah, each of us paid $75 and we've got our brains read. 
But his wife also looked up at me while you were talking to him. Oh, he took you to the, to the, restroom. the restroom. Okay, I did two things at that moment. One thing is I, I said, oh, I think I forgot my Jezebel book in the, the room. And so I went in there. Uh, That's just, one of Bob Larson's books. Just to uh, get a good picture of the, the diplomas on the wall. But also when I came back, she looked up at me and she said, how do you think it was? Like, oh. do you think it was good? Like, did it resonate or did, did he get things wrong? Oh, yeah. Oh, what'd you say? What does that mean? And I said, well, (laughs) mostly right. And I think my voice did that thing. Okay. Like, he got a lot of things. There were some things he got wrong. Uh I did say that. I didn't specify. Uh Okay. Yeah. But I thought that was interesting. And then she offered, she said, yeah, he's never done it to me. Oh, his wife. Yeah. I mean, he's done it to her, but he hasn't. (laughs) We don't know that. We don't know. We know that. <laughs> okay, Ross knows. Um, He's got a lot of testosterone. <laughs> but, but I just thought that was interesting. She said, well, also it would kind of spoil the test because, you know, I know what these things mean. He's talked about it to me. And he knows me so well already, so he doesn't need that. He, we can already talk to each other about myself. So I did ask him because I had been under this mistaken assumption that green equals demon. I thought, you know, I'm just going to try. I'm just going to ask. I said, so is there a particular color you see in a possessed brain? And he said, gray. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> it seems like don't give this information away because it spoils your sample. Yeah, in our, in our list of problems, this uh, is getting to be a longer list. And yeah, that's a big one is that, yeah, once you can anticipate these things and you know, and, and never once did he react to the fact that you'd read his book. Yeah. He never said, oh, okay, well then. Then you, you know what's going to happen here and that could affect things. So we asked a few questions just around that to contextualize that. So we asked him, have you ever done this to Bob? for example, Bob Larson. He said, no, actually, that would be really interesting, and I hope to do that with him at some point in the future. He did say he met with Bob this weekend because Bob needed some clarification. (laughs) I wish I could be a fly on the wall for that Uh, conversation. He also, uh, we asked him if he repeated, like if he'll have the same person come back and fill out the brain again, because you think that would be pretty easy. Like, oh, I guess I shouldn't have put the green you know, over there. And he said, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, we regularly do that. I thought, okay, well, this, this is a problem. Once you know kind of how the interpretation works, then you can just fill in the brain however you want your brain to look. You also wisely asked him if he does it for himself. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah. And we said, oh, this seems like it would be sort of like a problem because you know what the colors mean. And he said, well, I pray before. And I close my eyes and I focus on it so that I don't do it wrong. Okay. There's so many problems with that. <laughs> I oh mean, my. also, oh, also, he's picking out random crayons. So, so does he fill it out and then have someone come over and say, okay, so what color did I just fill this out? Yeah, that's right. Was it emerald green? Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah, you know what? Maybe it keeps him honest. Maybe? Yeah, he's not double-blinded, but he's at least single-blinded. Oh, oh boy. Oh. Sorry about this. <laughs> you know, I just, I put him out there. 
see what happens. <laughs> um, I do want to run this by Matt and Brooke, uh, this statement about the olfactory bulb. One of the most important functions of the olfactory bulb is its ability to block the triggering of traumatic memories. <laughs> okay, Brooke says, I'm not familiar with that. And Matt says, yeah, I haven't heard that one okay. before. Okay. In, in true scientific fashion, they're not willing to say no, but probably not yes. And so that was our delightful afternoon. But before we headed out, Carrie had still been trying to get Jerry to sign her book. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> so I said, oh, I didn't get to have you sign my book at the conference. Would you mind? And he said, oh, sure. And he went to grab a pen. And I said, oh, no, 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 sir. <laughs> Let me get a crayon. <laughs> <laughs> so we're looking at a picture that says, Carrie, may God bless you, Jerry Mingazzi. Um, and I have that book right here. Yes, the real star of the show. Oh, that reminds me. Oh, yeah. I forgot something. Um, so <laughs> some people know what this is. From deep within the jungles of Costa Rica. So for the people that this is your first show and you're like, oh, what's happening? She just has a spray bottle. Uh, we went down to Costa Rica to go to a place called Rhythmia, where you take ayahuasca to cure all that ails you. Uh, my friend Ross here did four ceremonies of ayahuasca, four nights in a row. Uh, and it's a, a highly potent hallucinogen that drives you down into the depths of despair and awfulness and everything horrible, but then it brings you back up to this wonderful state where just everything makes sense and you get all these connections. It's wonderful. So a lot of people think it's a very spiritual experience, and Rhythmia in particular sells this homeopathic ayahuasca spray. Now, now normal ayahuasca uh, is pretty potent. It takes like 10 hours to wear off. Yep. Uh, would you say this is less potent, equally potent, or more potent? Thank you for asking. This is, according to Rhythmia, as strong or stronger, <laughs> despite it being homeopathic, which of course means there are no active ingredients in it. So I'm going to spray it under my tongue three times as instructed, and then we're going to pass it around so y'all can trip with us. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. It's, it tastes very Hold much like... my cross. Like, oh, uh, it tastes very bad. It does have alcohol in it for anybody who abstains, but you just spray it three times under your tongue, and then don't worry, the energy of ayahuasca goes into your body, and it's exactly the same. We've been passing this around at live shows for our whole tour. And by the uh, end, everybody's just rolling <laughs> on the floor, like, tripping balls. Yeah. I just love to say tripping balls. The, uh, my friend Joy was at our last show, and as we were explaining this, she just started shouting, No! No! After <laughs> we very had, scared. We had just explained what homeopathic means. Yeah. It's oh, well. inactive. She, you know, she's a mom. Yeah. She watches out for you. Safety ya. first. Exactly. Uh, we say as we pass around ayahuasca spray. Yeah, okay, wait. So back to this. Right. So managing our brain, managing our life. So I, I put this on Goodreads. And I was the first person to not give it a five-star reading. Oh. I know. <laughs> no, I ruined it. That's tough. I feel I did that recently with a book, too. I broke its uh, five-star oh, streak. Yeah. yeah, I think you told me that. It was related to one of our investigations. I think it was at Eck. Oh, was it? 
Uh, I don't know. I can't remember. Although I was the first to not give it a five-star review, I was also the second person to ever rate it. I just remember... The five-star streak I broke was white Anglo-Saxon male on a date. Oh, yeah, that was bad. That was at our Tennessee show. You'll hear it. It's fun. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I don't... I wouldn't say I recommend the tome, but it it certainly is a book. (laughs) Okay, so, Carrie. Yes, Ross is it. First of all, hello. Oh, hey. Hey, we're interrupting the show again, but it's just because... I don't mean to be rude. Yeah? And interrupt. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) So I'm interrupting because I was just thinking about high quality entertainment. Where can I find it? I'm looking for I'm looking for good shows. Uh, You know, I've been binging on Ross and Carrie. Mm -hmm. I'm almost caught up. Okay. And uh, so what else am I going to listen to? How do I find it? Tell well, me. Well, I would go to MaximumFun.org. They have all the best podcasts. Oh, really? Wait yeah. a second. They have Ono, Ross, and Carrie. Yes, exactly. So they must be good. Yeah, they even have this show. Unless you binge watch TV at least 80 hours a week, Inside Pop is definitely not for you. Sean, that's a little extreme and also not quite true. Okay, Amita, how about Inside Pop is the podcast for people who love and appreciate the best pop culture has to offer? Oh, much better. In every episode, we interview the people who create the culture you crave. Past interviews include the showrunner of Ava DuVernay's Queen Sugar and Mudbound director Dee Reese. You'll also get the very best pop culture recommendations in our Big Sell segment. Plus the opinions of two TV producers who are pop culture obsessives and actually do binge 80 hours of TV a week. Eyeballs. So tired. Listen to Inside Pop every other Wednesday on the Maximum Fun Podcast Network. Well, I don't know, Carrie. What do you say we rate this method <laughs> okay. of brain examination? Great. Uh, all right. Well, goodness. I guess we always start with the pseudoscience scale, so mm, let's have out with tough. it. All right. What would you give this on a pseudoscience scale mm. where... Wait, what do we call this method? Right brain therapy. Where, oh, yeah. What would we rate right brain therapy on a scale of 1 to 10 where 1 is something not pseudoscientific uh, like... The consensus that global warming is anthropogenic and a problem. Oh, yeah. So that's just established science. Yeah. The, no the, one in their right mind is questioning that at this point. Right. Or their left mind. Or their. <laughs> Whereas 10 is something very pseudoscientific. Okay. Like if you, if you analyze a brain and zoom in very closely, uh-huh. you'll see kind of like you drew, there's a lot of squiggles. Uh-huh. But they start moving around, and you realize they're goat sperm. Oh, okay. That's a 10. 10. That's a 10. Yeah, I don't know, 11? <laughs> I mean, it's everything that makes pseudoscience pseudoscience. It's borrowing the language of science. It's borrowing the ideas of science to give it credence, and then going hog wild with it. I can't tell you like how often afterwards, when we first heard this the first day of the conference, Carrie and I would be sitting, <laughs> having dinner maybe, or like trying to go to sleep, different parts of the Airbnb, and all of a sudden just burst out laughing. <laughs> all of a sudden that moment would hit us of Bob just sitting there holding the microphone. And then you finally like get it under control and you're like, okay, just don't let, if Ross laughs, I'm going to laugh again. So here's hoping Ross doesn't, and then Ross laughs and then you're laughing. 
Happened all night. Uh, hard 10. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's embodies pseudoscience yeah. to a T because we often have to combine scales. You know, sometimes we're talking about pseudoscience and sometimes we're just talking about being non-scientific. But this is very much giving the imprimatur of science. Ooh, we're talking about brains. Ooh, look at these diagrams. Look mm-hmm. how official this is. Uh, so yeah, 10. All right. Then what would That's you give right. this on a pocket drainer scale? <laughs> God. Um, okay, so ordinarily it's $250. I mean, that's so expensive for a coloring exercise. An hour of his time, though. Uh, yes, an hour of his very valuable time. Um, seven? Okay. What do uh, you think? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, we'll discount our discount for this particular right. reading because that was a real steal. You know, that was a, <laughs> that was just that was just generous. But uh, yeah, I, I'm with you at seven. Okay, that sounds fair. Yeah, nice. Uh, what about creepiness? Where one is something that's just like not creepy, right? Like uh, you go to Austin, Texas. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing creepy about Austin. Uh, nah, and you see. Why are you all laughing? And, uh, you know, you get to meet all these wonderful people, eat some tacos outside. It's just all great. And then 10 is something incredibly creepy, like you go to Dallas. And Oh, we were lucky to make it out alive. <laughs> and you go to an exorcism conference. Oh, yeah. yeah that's, that's right. That's what we were doing this weekend. <laughs> End of sentence. That's a 10. Okay. I guess the idea that you can find these little signs inside your brain mm-hmm. being as charitable as possible like saying that this would work there's a, there's a bit of creepiness to this hmm. uh, that you know there's different regions especially because he's tying it to this deliverance and he's talking about multiple generations mm-hmm. uh, he even mentioned like kind of a tradition within his own family that had followed him and he had to be removed from and separate all of that ties to that deliverance imagery and and explanation so i'm I'll say it registers, but it, that's not what's mostly wrong with this. So I'll say 3.5. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, if we had gotten demons, though, I think you'd be shooting that right out the ceiling. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, sure. And it seems like we looked at a lot of demon brains during his talk. So I'm going to go higher. I'm going to say a, uh, I'm gonna say an eight. Okay. Okay. Demons on the brain. That's pretty creepy D- for me. Yeah, good point. I thought it was interesting that he knew that we were at that conference with him and he recognized us from the conference. So he knew he had simpatico people there. I think he could have felt free to kind of elaborate on all of this. And he seemed remarkably restrained. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's because we drew snot in a dick. <laughs> or, or just because, you know, it, it seems like he didn't go immediately to the worst form of this. Yeah. Though I think probably the fact that we were at the conference made him think, even though Christians can have demons, these two are probably, you know, They're pretty, already savvy. pretty spotless. Oh, oh, I see. Okay. Interesting. Well, what would you give this then on a danger rating, where one is something not very dangerous, uh, like coming to Austin and sitting in front of all these wonderful people, and 10 is something incredibly dangerous, Dallas. like like Dallas, <laughs> like an eagle coming and cawing at you like a, like a crow and pecking your eyes out. Did you know everyone who's ever lived in Dallas has died? Holy yeah. shit, really? Yes. Has died or will die. Come yeah. to think of it, we saw two immensely large cemeteries in Austin on our yeah, way here. Yeah, what's going on with the cemeteries? <laughs> it's like the heartbeat of your city. <laughs> <laughs> Although you probably liked it. You take all those grave pictures. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Good point. And what's the question? 
Oh, danger rating. Danger. Okay, so this is another one of those where the danger is in getting this instead of getting what you actually need, right? Uh, someone came to him with, like, really bad depression. Uh, I wouldn't even want to think about what would happen, you know, much less someone coming to him with some physical complaint. So, I mean, that's what the danger is. I don't think there's a specific thing that's going to happen to you in his office. But that danger is significant. So, uh, seven. You know, I, I think that's really fair because I, I think for you to get there, and the, by the way, hello up there. I keep not looking oh, up to hello. the top row. Hey. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I think if you've gotten that far to where you've kind of heard what's happening, you've seen what's happening, you've gotten your box of crayons, and you're still, <laughs> and you're still taking this advice very seriously about how you should manage your life, I think you've missed a lot of really important red flags that should have tripped you off to the fact that this this is not a good way to get information about your brain or demons or your family relationships. Uh, so yeah, I, I see it as pretty dangerous. Uh, 7.5. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, but got to say, hot drinks rating, thumbs up. Oh, yeah? Yeah. He had a Keurig machine. So. Oh, yeah, you made yourself some coffee. Yeah, so it's all fine. Yeah, $75 worth it. (laughs) Well, you know what? Actually, on the pseudoscience rating, we should check in with Brooke and Matt. Uh, What are your thoughts? Pretty high. Pretty high on pseudoscience. Pretty high. A ten. Ten. Okay. Yes. All right. We've got uh, we've got some consensus here among the experts. Excellent. Yeah. I think people probably shouldn't do this. Probably. Probably. <laughs> do we have any burning questions in the audience at this? Point? Oh, hey. No. Okay. I wow. saw I saw this hand shoot up right away. Oh, wonderful question. Okay, so let me repeat the question into the microphone. The question was, he was holding this uh, 3D brain, and that was colored. So can we then extrapolate from Jerry's system that all those colors mean something about the person who put that physical brain together? Yes. (laughs) I guess. I I wish I'd thought of that, because then we could have asked, like, tell us about this brain. Yeah. Yeah, and also, I mean, if you colored in something else, like if you color in a pigeon, you know, can that tell you something or no? I guess not. Oh, yeah. Oh, this invites all kinds of studies. Like, can you have uh, animals pick out colors in some fashion? Oh, yeah. Like, maybe they hit a lever. He was telling us he wanted to digitize this whole process as well. Like, you know, legitimize it. Take the crayons out of the equation. Uh, So, yeah, I wonder if you could get insights on animals as well. That would probably be better for him because then, you know, the computer could tell you the colors, so that'd be nice. Oh, we got a question there, yes. yeah. Did the variation of colors in the box or the basket have any, uh, any effect on the colors of it? Oh, great question. Was there any gray? Was there any gray? Oh, you know, I think I did see gray. There was gray, but not for too sure. much. You kind of had to go looking for it, I think. Yeah. So the question was about the composition of crayons as presented to us. That's a really good question because I remember I would fish around for a red and I would color something and it would come out pink. Oh, okay. Uh, right. And yeah. I would try another red. Ah, oh, that's not quite what I was looking for. And I even told him this, but he wrote down what I actually drew rather than what I thought I was drawing, which is interesting. Yeah, I'm sure on a uh, not-so-subtle level, the selection available was influencing our choices. I definitely, the first crayon I picked up was just the blue one laying on top. Uh, So, yeah, there's definitely, you know, availability going on there. Uh, Yes, one, two, three, fourth row in the middle. 
<laughs> so, a scale of what? Half acidness. Oh, <laughs> there's many scales we could add to our <laughs> our scales. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely like yeah, a... the effort involved. That is definitely there's a range there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's a bit of laziness involved here. I do think though that he's sincere. I think he yes. thinks this works. Yeah, yeah. I, I get the same exact sense that he's yeah he's not just uh, messing around. I saw a hand in the back row there. Yes. <laughs> oh, Alex Jones is an Austinite? Wait, wait, Austonian? Austinite, I got it right the first time, all right. The Alex Jones, uh, we were told Alex Jones came from here in Austin, so maybe that resets the scale. Yeah, yeah I mean, we try to contextualize our choices, but you know, if, <laughs> if, if you argued us on any of them, we'd be like, ah, yeah, you're right, we'll move yeah, it that way or that way. So. Um, but, oh boy, Alex Jones, what a, what a piece of work. Good job, Austin. <laughs> It's It's been wild to see him now that in these court battles, he has to kind of contextualize everything he said and sort of apologize for it. And so how he tries to maintain a little bit of credibility to his audience while also distancing himself from himself has been oh. super uh, schadenfreudic. <laughs> You know, I also want to mention our friend John Ronson kind of accidentally made Alex Jones famous. So you can also blame my good friend John. John, what are you doing? He didn't Let's... mean to. He didn't mean to. But Speaking of John R's, I see John Rail right there with a question. Oh, John hey. Rail. Hey. Friend of many years. Bit of an existential question. Uh, speaking of people identifying as themselves and not themselves, how do you like some of these people that dislike immensely what they do, essentially... That's a great question. So John is asking, how how can we like the people themselves while intensely disliking what they do? Mm -hmm. We said this just the other night. I, I came away liking Bob Larson a lot better this weekend and coming away more assured that he's sincere. Me too. We talked about like his wife, uh, Laura, like just talking about what she sees with him day to day. And then Jerry is immensely likable. Absolutely. Like after talking with him, you want to talk with him more. I would gladly talk with him all day. So you're asking how we separate that. <laughs> yes, he is. Uh, the, so I think the second part of your question is really interesting. You said because uh, what they do is what they are. And there's, there's a level on which that's true. I guess I don't want to be 100% wrapped up in my worst actions, right? I want people to look at me and say, uh, you know, oh, I think she had her heart in the right place because hopefully nine times out of 10, I did. So I'd like to look at their sincerity and their harm and their thinking patterns. I want all those things to be going into an equation where every piece is accounted for. And I do think it's much easier and very human, of course, to, to just say like, oh, bad guy, that's it. That's all I need to know. Cut them out. And, and that's a quicker journey. Mm -hmm. But I think the, the long game is the winning game. And to your existential question, I'll say like when it comes to things that are not immutable about us, like beliefs, everyone is a potential something else. And I feel like when I was a Christian, I was still roughly the same guy. Uh, but now I'm like kind of a different version of that on the atheist side. 
you know, I, I think you can identify that part of a person that is kind of their base personality, and they, they can be a real jerk as a Christian and a real jerk as an atheist. And so I feel like he's just he's just a nice guy in general. And you could you could have a lot of interactions with him without ever knowing that he does this thing. Uh, but yeah, then you have to you know call out the thing, and and sometimes you do it face to face, and sometimes you do it to an audience of other people, uh, th- three and a half hours away. Uh, <laughs> It's a question we ask all the time. It's, it's a really good one, and I don't, I don't think there's a set answer to it, but hopefully that kind of puts us in the ballpark. Up here. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, up, up there. No, not me. Ah, okay. Sorry, you. I can't see you, but yes. Thank you for pointing him out. Oh, what a great question. Yeah. He was asking, as we encounter other really good storytellers out there in our investigations, do we incorporate some of their methods? Yeah. Uh, well, you just gave a talk about the things that you've gained from believers. Oh, yeah. And I, I didn't get to be there. Was, was this included? In yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was uh, giving a talk at Atheist United, and I thought, what can I impart that maybe is a different thought? So I collated a bunch of things that I've learned from belief. And so there's a lot of good lessons about, you know, like the Mormons are so great at, they're passionate about genealogies and they're passionate about storing up food for the certain end of the world coming any, you know, day of these latter days. Uh, but then they, you know, they share it out with other people in the community, whether they're Mormon or not. And so, so I think that also does tap into storytelling traditions. And I would say so much of our humor is just us recapitulating what we've heard from these various groups. Maybe we're seeing it in a slightly different way, but it becomes something fun for us, like uh, service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think we do pull a little bit more that changes who we are from everyone we interact with. Yeah, I think it's probably mostly subconscious, at least for me. I mean, I, I definitely listen to a lot of public speakers and, you know, just gain something from watching that and seeing what works. But I'm not consciously, at least, being like, oh, wow, good, good technique. I'll use that. All right, maybe two more. I, got some, I, I see one right there. Yeah. It turned kind of from a question to a confession. <laughs> um, so the question was, uh, with conspiracy theorists, often they start with something very rational, and then there's just this like huge leap to, to an irrational conclusion. And then she said, and they're my parents. Uh, uh, yeah, so how, what do you do, Ross? I, oh, because I did this to you earlier, like restated the question and then gave it to you. Oh, no, I don't know. <laughs> no, no, this it's is, hard. This is a tough one because uh, I don't always excel at this. It doesn't always work. I'm on a flat earth discussion group on Facebook and I fail horribly all the time in trying to respond to these. Uh, you know, I'll think I've pointed out like a really good like, ha ha, I caught like a logical inconsistency or like I've kind of used your own logic against you, but they can always flip it again. And and here I'm using the term they, you know. Um, that's really tough. I think that's where you just have to play the long game. And especially if it's your parents, just be loving gently point out things that don't resonate for you like okay well you think maybe the russians would have had a problem if they thought we were faking the moon landing and they would have said something about it just think about that you know and 
throw it out there, I, you know? I think something that helps me is to ask myself, like, what's the project in this moment? Because more times than not, the project in that moment is not to get out of that conversation with that person not believing the thing they believe. You're probably not going to get there, especially with someone who has a really entrenched belief. So most of the activity, most of the angst and upsetness is probably going on in you, the person who's like, I can't believe my friend believes this. So if you can pull back and see that and go, okay, I can let that go. I cannot be upset about this. It's not helping me to be upset. Um, then it's easier to do that long game where you're just sort of like dropping little thoughts. And remember, they'd have these thoughts whether you were there or not. Uh, it's almost an optical illusion that you're in the room because that room could have not had you and the same stuff would have been happening so uh don't put too much pressure on yourself to fix it in that moment yeah yeah i think i wasn't looking at the question okay. asker and instead was uh making intense eye contact with a non-asker okay one more question back there now are you pointing to someone else or this is you this time okay let's hear it <laughs> I knew where this was going. A question about us getting sued. Okay, so here's what done happened. Uh, so you're all uh, using the Rhythmia spray. Yes. So Rhythmia is, again, that ayahuasca center we went to in Costa Rica. I've been writing an article about them for Vice, and if you've been following anything in online news, you know that uh, there's been a lot of turnover in newsrooms of late, including at Vice, and that has not helped the timeline of that article. But uh, we can tell you a little bit. We can tell you about the lawsuit. Yeah, so Rhythmia sued us for our episodes, and they're... Thank you. Uh, thank you. And they, they, they told us to pull all of them. They waited until we finished the series, and then they told us, yeah, you need to yank those down, and they sent us, like, this threat, you know, within seven days, ten days. It was a very short, you know, you need to do all this, comply with all these demands, or we will take you to court. Now, this, of course, was after they shared the episodes on social media. Yeah, I think the first few episodes, they're like, yeah, this is cool. And Jerry had been pressuring me all along. Well, yeah, he would lean on me because I'm, you know, another bro, you know, to, uh, you know, hey, you don't need to do any of this. You don't need to publish it. But yeah, at first they seem like, okay, this isn't bad. Yeah. So what they sued us for was breach of contract. What they asserted was that we had always just been marketers who just sort of market out our show and uh, we like visit these places and then positively report on them. Does anyone feel like this is an accurate <laughs> description? And, and after, assert, after asserting that we had uh, breached the contract, they emailed us and asked, hey, can you send us the contract you signed? <laughs> yeah. And we said... Well, that would be hard to do because there isn't one. Yeah, so the only contract we had ever signed, of course, was just saying uh, that they would give us, we would have to pay for our airfare, but they would give us this free stay. And uh, I had actually said to them, like, I want to be super clear with you. We are not advertising. We're reporters and we'll be reporting. And that's in writing. So when they threatened us with a lawsuit, we said, please go ahead. Do it. And yeah, we each had a guy show up in like a, a black unmarked vehicle in a suit. And like he came to my work and uh, delivered the papers to me. Uh, here's a fun fact, though. If you ever get, uh, what's the word? De uh, served. Yeah. If you ever get served, served. Uh, there are two ways they can do it. They can hand it to you or they can lay it at your feet. <laughs> so, so guess what Carrie did? <laughs> so... Yeah, there's like this ferocious knock on my door, and I was like, what? And I opened the door, and I was like, oh, okay, here it is. And so he said, 
are you Carrie Poppy? And I said, yes. Uh, and he said, I'm working for Arrhythmia Life Advancement Center. And I said, you may lay it at my feet. <laughs> um, I don't know how much do we want to tell of this, but uh, it was all in, in Spanish. And so uh, we had people look at it and help us interpret it, uh, both of our Spanishes. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but they also files in English later. And, and then they sued us not only in the U.S., uh, but also in Costa, Costa Rica. Rica. So we had two lawsuits. Yeah. Uh, but here's a cool thing. In many states in the union, including California, we have something called an anti-slap, which is a motion that you can... Yeah, anti-slap. Yeah, that's worth <laughs> clapping for. Pro-clap, pro anti-slap. Um, so anti-slap is a motion that you can submit to the judge and say, hey, this person's just trying to silence me out of my First Amendment rights by giving me a frivolous lawsuit. And if the judge agrees with you, they have to pay your legal fees. Yeah. So California has the strongest anti-slap in the nation. This is part of why we were not too worried. About um, that lawsuit, at least. Right. So um, so we uh, got our, our amazing lawyer, Matthew Struger. Yeah, holla. <laughs> uh, to send them a stack of papers about that thick. I stayed up all night with him writing and printing them uh, and said, we're going to file anti-slap on you unless you remove the lawsuit. And the next day they caved <laughs> and paid all of our legal fees. Oh, Jerry could not have been happy about that. It was a lot of money. He was so mad. And once when I went back to the... Oh, I went to the Salton Sea with the Flat Earthers. Carrie couldn't go because she'd been up all night preparing the legal papers. So yep. uh, there you go. There's that division of labor. Uh, <laughs> and the, the Costa Rica lawsuit, as far as I know, it timed out. It's been it did, dismissed yeah. or, or it's just it's gone now. So yeah, we won. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, yeah, we've got we've got some fun giveaways. Oh yeah, I'm keeping. I paid a hundred dollars for that cross. I may have to perform exorcisms. Okay, this is an album, a CD of Hugh, a love song to God. All right, uh, let me see the hands of some of our biggest Eck investigation fans. I have uh, a very old copy of Rael's The Message Given by Extraterrestrials. Um, I don't think my highlighting's in this one, but it's my personal copy, and we'll sign it for you after you've gone. Not to be confused with John Rail. Yeah? Okay. Oh, she caught it. Nicely done. <laughs> All right. I have a copy of Thrive, What on Earth Will It Take? And this is a documentary on... We did a commentary track on it for Max Fun Bonus... Uh, Episodes, yeah. So you can also learn about uh, the code, which looks like uh. the, the world tree, world flower. That, uh, Tauruses, that's very important, a uh, galactic shape. Global uh, domination. Yeah. Uh, the gold the, standard. A lot of conspiracy uh. theory stuff. All right, uh, who wants it most? All right, I don't know. Yeah, just throw it. Out of, out of, it goes to him. I, out of fear of hitting someone in the face with a DVD, I threw it too far. <laughs> now we have, this is a medium shirt that says, it suffers the illusion. Uh, something that Mother Ayahuasca said to Ross. Okay, we have two sizes. Carrie's... Throw it. All right, this is a 3XL. Who can use a 3? Okay, okay. You got it. Yeah. Okay, and... Oh, you're going to give that away? 
All right. Do you want to? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, okay. This is, of course, uh, managing your brain, managing your life. I should add that it is made out to Carrie. May God bless you. Uh, Anybody named crayon, Carrie in the audience. But hang on. I'm going to, we're, we're doing a thing with our shirts. Yes. And I think I'd like to attach this to a shirt. Oh, you're sweetening okay. the deal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So we only have two shirts left. C- Carrie can model this. From uh, our tour. Yeah. The, I know. So we actually didn't know just how many shows we'd be doing. So we didn't order. We did a second order of shirts, but we're not going to order any more. So these are the final two shirts. I know. Of the I'm, I'm sure sorry. it's Owl tour. Well, so, but in every city, we've been giving money to a local charity. So we thought, okay, in Austin, maybe we'll auction them off for the local charity. So Interior Books, is that what it's called? Inside inside Books. books. That's it. So Inside Books uh, sends books to prisoners in Texas. And, uh, yeah. So what we're going to do is, uh, for these last two shirts, which we have signed... Uh, we are going to auction them off. Okay, this is a red extra large, and we're going to sweeten the deal. Well, we're doing an auction. That's what's going to happen here. So we're going to raise money for this charity. All of it goes to the charity, and whoever wins the first shirt gets to choose a signed brain map of their choosing as well. Both of us have signed our brain maps, and and then we'll uh, and then the other shirt. They okay. both have dicks. Don't worry. Um, okay. The other one, okay, so the red is an XL. And the brown is a large. Okay, so we're going to start with the red extra large, and we'll start at, oh, this is weird. Oh, wow, okay. I hear 200. I've never auctioneered before. Uh, This is exciting, and I'm in Texas. I was about to say. (laughs) Also, I was about to say 30. Um, (laughs) 200, okay. Um, uh, Do we hear 206? Two hundred. Very generous. Two hundred dollars. Come on down and get your shirt and pick your brain. Pick our brains. Okay. Yeah, we take Venmo and PayPal. All right, and now we have the large shirt, and you're stuck with my brain. <laughs> um, well, but that one has the dick. Come on, dick pick. Uh, okay, so this is a large brown, and you get managing your brain, managing your life. Come on, a steal. Starting at 50. See, that's reasonable. 50. 75. I hear 75. 80. $80. 100. 100. I hear 100. 120. 120, holla. 125. 125. Wonderful. People in prison need books. Anybody else? And that's right. That's what you're paying for here. If no one gets this, I'm going to send them this book. 130. 130. 135. 130 going once. 130 going twice. 130 sold. Yay! Just. Yeah, that was Brooke. Oh, oh, I'm so glad. Uh, well, well, we're gonna we're gonna stick around afterwards. Uh, so so come by, uh, say hi, take pictures. We'd love to meet you. Uh, the two people who won, uh, you can you can Venmo me. I'm, I promise not to steal it. I promise to send it to the prison charity. And can we get a hand for all the neuroscientists in the audience? 
Well, I guess that's it for our show. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. This episode is probably not edited by Victor Figueroa, but, but we maybe. love him. And our administrative manager is Ian Kramer. Uh, yes, woo. Uh, and you can find us on social media. You know how to do it. You can also support this and all our investigations by going to MaximumFun.org forward slash donate. And remember, <laughs> amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Not all heroes wear capes. Some heroes watch war movies and then review them. <laughs> Friendly Fire is a war movie podcast for people who don't necessarily like war movies, although it does not exclude people who love war movies. I'll have you know that I am wearing a cape. My cape is just made of sound-deadening material from an audio recording studio. <laughs> it's a really great show. John's daughter doesn't like it because we sometimes say swear words on it, but almost everybody else that has ever listened to it has enjoyed the, the program. Download and subscribe to Friendly Fire wherever you get your podcasts. To the victor, go the spoiler alerts. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.